not forgetting to treat every single customer like gold. As much uh, technology as you want to introduce, and that means if you have an old-time customer that wants to write his, customer, his order down on paper, then that's how you're going to accept it. The Uniformer. Insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel, and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the Network Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors, the NAUMD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Uniformer podcast. My name is Jeff Mason, and I am here with Enzo Cancellari of Game Workwear and Game Sportswear. Hello, Enzo. Hi, Jeff. How are you? So very good, Enzo. So what is the uh, core competency as you take a look at game, workwear, and sportswear? What really you know, makes your company tick between the two? You know, I think what, what we have been really focusing on uh, continuing and uh, what we've been known for for so long is our versatility. There are so many uh, varieties of uh, stock items that we bring in, uh, but the fact that we have uh, several USA-made styles that we manufacture in-house. We have an experienced sewing staff. We can also offer customizations to our existing stock items, uh, alterations, uh, changes, customizations, uh, and, and things of that nature that maybe set us apart from some of our competition. So I, I think the versatility is what we have been known for. So uh, Enzo, would you consider then the the hallmark of your company to be that variety? I, I do. I think it's also versatility, uh, being able to go above and beyond uh, our customer service, you know, pays close attention to detail, often checks with customers on order forms for simple things that may be overlooked by, uh, say, larger companies that uh, that are doing everything in an automated format. You know, everything is moving towards e-commerce, uh, web-based buying, uh, and we understand that. However, I just I think that we just can't forget the human connection is still very important, and I I feel that people know that about game. And my wife and I try to make sure that every customer that we talk to, every client, uh, understands that they're going to be treated differently. And I think that's that's usually something that'll set you aside from the rest. Absolutely, I think most people can really appreciate, um, you know, some good old-fashioned TLC on the phone, or you know, somebody who's going to take the time to listen and walk you through things and and help you out placing your order uh, in in a very you know diligent way. I will also say, Jeff, that we have a very old customer uh, database. Uh, people that have been with us for 20, some 25 years, some old timers that like to do it the old fashioned way. And we are not going to make them change. Uh, we're not going to tell them that to fix something that ain't broken. Uh, so, you know, and I think that's common with a lot of uh, uniform manufacturers in this industry. They have so many long-term clients. Some are in their 60s, 70s, some in their 80s. Uh, and that TLC that I was mentioning is is important, you know, telling uh, a 25, 30 year customer that, you know, they 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 can just keep doing things the way they have is important sometimes. 
Oh, absolutely. To, keep, to, to let them keep the continuity and not have to switch to an app or some electronic format that they're not really comfortable with. Right. I, mean, I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I think it's a message loud and clear to all our listeners too, that, you know, there is that aspect that, you know, it's like, it's like a catalog. Not everybody likes a digital catalog. Some people still want to see that good old fashioned paper. Absolutely. Catalog, so it's- and, and having that, that sales rep walk into your shop and talk, talk shop is very important, even in this day and age. Uh, not to say that we don't understand the importance of, of technology and updating. We're in the midst of a, a website redevelopment, uh, hoping to, to launch September 1st. A lot of automation is going to come with that. Uh, build your own garment. But um, I, I don't want ever to uh, lose the, the perception that our, our customer base has that we are uh, TLC focused and that we are, uh, will cater to their needs. Well, I'm sure that is music to many people's ears. So thank you for, uh, letting us know that and, uh, walk us through a, an average day. And so what, how's your, what do you do during the an average day? <laughs> well, that's interesting that you say that my, my average day starts with a 30 minute drive into work where I usually formulate my plan. Uh, and within minutes of walking in, that plan is usually destroyed, as many of our listeners probably can identify with, because you get hit with one issue after another. And in many cases, your agenda goes right out the window. Uh, but <laughs> uh, seriously, my, my average day is, is generally spent dealing with, uh, working with customer service, making sure uh, there aren't any uh, customer issues or uh, uh, orders that are left in limbo that need attention. Uh, and then I'll go to our order registry from the day before to look at who ordered with us, uh, to touch base with those customers, to in many cases, thank them for for their continued business. Then we formulate our uh, travel schedule. So myself, as well as uh, seven uh, in-house reps, uh, also take the different territories of the country. And we have uh, an in-house coordinator as well that sets appointments for us uh, for to do pre, uh, product demonstrations and basically visit, do FaceTime with our customers. So a lot of that is appointment making and uh, just touching base with customers on a daily basis. Sure. So yeah, your day uh, starts like many of us with a with a little commute, and then uh, as you as you get through the front door, you realize, uh oh, all the plans are out the door. I've got to, you know, firefight and uh, troubleshoot and so on. So you you know, yeah, pivot, pivot. You know, it seems to be the yeah, it seems to be the um, a term we've been using the last couple of years. Well, so what really motivates you to get out of bed every morning? I mean, what really uh, makes you you know, um, get up and go. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's dealing with the people, the customers, uh, going after, uh, a big opportunity, uh, trying at, trying to make something work with a new client that, that I know has so much opportunity, but has only scraped the surface with us. You know, that's, that's where my wife and I, uh, Andrea, I keep mentioning her as my wife, but Andrea is the president of the company. So when we uh, took over uh, six years ago, uh, my father-in-law retired. Uh, Andrea, her heir apparent, 
took over and became president and I became vice president. Uh, when we took over, there were several things that we decided to change. One of the things was making sure that our finances were in order and making sure that our inventory and our, um, our products were well dated. Uh, and so she handles most of the finances and the inventory control. I handle most of the sales, customer service, uh, people oriented, getting things, uh, getting things to customers in a timely manner, making sure that issues are handled properly. Uh, I handle a lot of customer escalations, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Uh, where you know that person now needs a little extra TLC than you know a typical customer service rep. I enjoy that. I I enjoy the challenge of turning a uh, maybe a ticked off customer into a happy customer. Uh, I enjoy the opportunity of of maybe turning a small opportunity to help a customer into a possible future larger opportunity. So those are the things that drive me, I would say. Awesome. Well, very people, I'm getting the feeling it's very, you know, people centric, you really customer centric, you really have this love affair with making the, the customers satisfied. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm all about that as well. So let's uh, re revisit the word pivot for a second, you know, going back over these last three years, um, what would you say is the, you know, how did, how did your company change and pivot? during that historic pandemic period uh, in a positive way? It was, it was a very dark time for everybody. Uh, and, you know, as you, as you know, if, if you didn't learn how to pivot during that time, you may have been in, in some trouble. We, uh, we found an amazing opportunity to pivot uh, with the safety masks, uh, cloth masks, uh, and the fact that we had a, an in-house cut and sew operation. Uh, so that immediately, uh, along with the fact that we had material on the shelf, luckily to, to do this, uh, created an opportunity for us to quickly pivot and start making masks. Yeah, excellent. So so I know we talked the other day a little bit, and I think one of the unique things about that fabric, there's a unique story behind that fabric too. <laughs> it, it, there How, is. Do you feel comfortable? Well, would you feel comfortable sharing absolutely, that? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's actually almost a godsend. Uh, there were thousands and thousands of discontinued uh, heavyweight jersey knit cotton t-shirts uh, that we had on the shelf that we were desperately trying to close out for $2 a piece. And uh, when this opportunity came, it, it, part of the material that once our, our raw cotton ran out, we were able to utilize these t-shirts, cut them up and make beautiful masks in, in 17 or 18 different color combinations, uh, which as everyone knows, were also huge promotional items for a period. There were a lot of people getting those embroidered and screen printed. Sure. Um, and so we turned a possible $2 closeout polo to seven or eight masks per shirt uh, that we sold at $2 each. So the godsend came in, in the fact that we doubled or tripled what we were expecting to make on those on those shirts. Yeah. 
So Enzo, was there any improvement that stands out to you that came about from that three-year period of time? One that stands out for sure is uh, that inventory is king and okay. that we we learned the importance of, of having deep inventory on the shelf. You can have as many SKUs and style numbers as you'd like. You can have you know, a catalog that's, you know, three inches thick, but if the inventory is not on the shelf, it, it won't do you any good. So our, what we learned was that our inventory must be deep in order for sales uh, or any, any success to occur with that product. I would say, I mean, there were a number of other things that, that we learned. Uh, I, I would say that also there was a, I thought a leveling of, of the playing field between larger and smaller companies where, you know, even uh, a larger go-to company uh, that didn't have the inventory was, you know, was out of luck to a company that was, that did have that inventory position. So, so if you look at uh, the, you know, we're, we're now here and in, in uh, coming up on uh, almost June of 2023, um, what do you see as the biggest challenge for, you know, game work where game sports were going forward? Well, I would say it's a challenge, but it's a welcome challenge. That's a long overdue. It's, it's really modernizing our technology, which we're, we are in the midst of doing our website, um, uh, is under construction. It's coming along. Well, it should be ready September 1st. Uh, hopefully, uh, followed by a builder jacket. But, you know, I think that technology, even though we t we, we talked about the people component earlier, the technology aspect, I think, is huge for this industry as we move forward. If you don't have the capability of, of producing, you know, really, really good mock-ups for your customers in a timely manner, uh, uh, to provide that that comfort zone that your client knows they're in good hands, the credibility that comes with the technology, uh, all of that I think is huge, hugely important, and that's the biggest challenge that we face right now. Um, it is a welcome challenge, and we're we're taking uh, steps uh, to to improve on that, but. That having been said, the people component will never go away. And yeah. uh, and our staff knows that and they embrace that. Yeah, well, I thought it's really encouraging to hear because as we, you know, as we flex into this uh, AI and robotic environment and future and seemingly that's where we're uh, headed towards in a, in a lot of ways that, you know, there's a disconnect level, there's a disassociation with the human condition that can happen in that and and you know yours uh you know you're you're basically telling the listeners here that you know that's not going to go away with with your it's company. not absolutely not and that's 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 something that we will never ever deviate from but at the same time we understand the importance of modernization and technology and you know if i i would say when you feel that perhaps you know that you you're falling behind in certain areas those are the challenges that you want to focus on to to make sure you're you're you you maintain your high your high standards. And so there's a fair amount of people listening to this podcast that may be in a position to align themselves with you or become a customer of game sportswear, game workwear. Uh, if you could isolate one idea, one one you know topic 
to express to them? What would that one uh, idea well, be? Game Sportswear for many years has been known as a, uh, a company that delivers quality service, quality products. Um, I think I want everyone to know that we're a company that's extremely eager and, and willing to partner and to collaborate, uh, new ideas, uh, new, new ways of thinking, new, new patterns, new styles. Uh, but we are a company that has a really strong niche in the public safety industry, in uh, fire, police, EMS apparel. Uh, I would say also in high visibility and safety uh, construction apparel. Uh, we have a strong uh, network of dealers, uh, uniform dealers, uh, team dealers, uh, e-commerce embroidery shops, screen print shops, as well as marketing firms that, that use us and are extremely happy uh, with our product and services. So I would say uh, to reach out to me first and foremost for any ideas you have to collaborate or, or for any needs you may have from us. Great. Great. And uh, I know, thank you for that, Enzo. And I know we, when we spoke the other day, I was fairly impressed uh, by the, the fact that number one, you've kind of brought, if you don't mind me highlighting this, you brought everything in-house into New York. So you're, you're really, um, you're an operation that, that 100% um, works out of the, the Westchester area. And, uh, you know, it's a fair amount of people. And I think every, I think the listeners would benefit from knowing the size and scale of your company. Would you mind just running through the number of operators and personnel? Absolutely. Yeah, we're very proud of it. We have a long experienced staff. Uh, some, some of our sewing machine operators have been with us for 25, 30 years. And we, several years ago, when Andrea and I uh, took over from her dad, uh, we had a sewing plant in Port Chester, New York, which is about 30 minutes south of us here in Yorktown Heights, uh, where we saw an opportunity to, uh, to sell the building and to condense our staff and bring everyone under one roof here uh, as there was some space opening up here. And so it presented us with an opportunity for the first time, I would say, since the early days uh, back in the late 70s when my father-in-law started the company that we have been under one roof. Um, and so that that really helped us to uh, consolidate and become more streamlined and more uh, efficient, I would say. And, and you've got, I think, and between personnel in the office and so forth, aren't you somewhere up in the neighborhood of 60 or 80 people Absolutely, altogether? Yes. So we have 45 sewers. We have eight people in our uh, decorating department. And then we have 15 people in our office and customer service staff. That's a, that's a really uh, nice size uh, company. So, so when, when you look at, you know, this, this second, now it's really truly a second generation business where you and Andrea have, have uh, you know, come into the fold in the leadership realm. Um, but every good structure, every good company, every good home, every good building is built on a cornerstone. What what is the cornerstone of game uh, workwear and sportswear? You know that's a that's a great question. The cornerstone as it exists right now, and it's a really, really amazing cornerstone, is our uh, president and leader, my wife Andrea. She is the 
she's the person that holds everything together. She pieces every department together. She makes sure that things have, are, are expedited. She makes sure that the, the wheels are greased. Uh, and I would say the other part of the cornerstone is the give and take that she and I uh, present in, a, in an amicable way. Sometimes my ideas are not 100% in line with hers, but we do even each other out. And I think in every company, it's important to have somebody that'll kind of balance the other person out. So the cornerstone, I would say, besides Andrea and her amazing talent is our, the dynamic of having us uh, here uh, at the helm. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, not, I, 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 I would have to venture a guess, not too many husband and wife teams in business can say that about, you know I mean? That's really, uh, that's really commendable because it's, you know, it's hard to work and live together too. You know I mean? I, I, I imagine I've, I've never done it, but I I've heard and I've talked to plenty of people. And so it, you know, read plenty about it. So, well, I commend uh, both of you for that. And did that, did that really, did that partnership help you guys, lead the company through those those turbulent uh, times the last couple I, of years? I really think it was, you know, it was a time when things were very, at least especially in the early uh, period, uh, early in 2020, when nobody really knew what was going to happen, where, where this was going to end. I think um, the fact that we came together and rolled up our sleeves and literally did everything that our employees were doing um, and we're here day and night picking up uh, and many times picking up our employees and driving them into work so that they could make it because you know as you if you can remember during that time it was very it was a scary time and there were there was a lot going on and a lot of uncertainty and so we did everything and anything we could to accommodate our employees uh, and to make them uh, know that they that we still needed them. Very nice. Very good. I mean, picking people up and bringing them. Yeah, that's uh, that's really nice to hear. Um, well, thank you for for answering that. So as you as you kind of look to the future for game workwear and sportswear, I mean, what do you and Andrea and the team there, what do you want to accomplish in the next uh, you know, three to five years? What's on the horizon? We have ambitious um, expectations for game sports where in the next uh, three to five years, uh, we truly see ourselves as a leader in uh, the first responder market, as a leader in the public safety high-vis market. Um, and we expect ourselves to be a leader as we as we are right now in the varsity jacket business, which we do quite well with as well. These are all USA made garments uh, that we've been cutting and sewing for uh, 30 years in our plant. Um, so that's what I see continuing. Nice, nice. So, you know, you've got an interesting situation and a lot of people out there are, I think, are in your situation where there's, you know, second generation uh, ownership of companies and leadership. Sometimes there's third, fourth. I know somebody, um, a customer of mine is, you know, transitioning into their fifth generation. So um, when you look at that, I think there's DNA strands to all those generations. What is the DNA strand that 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 comes from 
the first generation of ownership that you and Andrea have, you know, made sure is woven into the fabric of your company uh, today? That's a great, great question. You know, my father-in-law was old school and everybody listening knows what that means. He was old school. He worked with his hands. He, uh, he was a sewing machine operator. He knew how to repair the machines. He, you know, he got into the trenches with his employees. He never forgot uh, to stay humble. Uh, and I think that is what we have brought over. I think that sometimes gets lost uh, from the first generation to the second generation. Uh, the humility as well as uh, not forgetting to treat every single customer like gold. And that's where you know, as much as much uh, technology as you want to introduce and uh, websites as you want to direct your customers to, that means if you have an old time customer that wants to write his customer his order down on paper, then that's how you're going to accept it. Uh, and and that's I think what we've carried on as a second generation. I love it. I love it. You know, I love your story about the gold. I worked for a, a real, real go-getter in the computer industry for a while. And, uh, you know, he he always said, uh, those who have the gold make the rules. And you're you're saying the opposite. The customers are gold and they're the ones that we need to listen to. And let's let's, you know, be flexible with our programs and our uh, ways of doing business that meets them. They're the ones that are kind of uh, telling us how we should do business. And, you know, that's what I'm gleaning from that. So no, very, uh, very cool. My wife and I are actually making hats for the staff uh, just to remind everybody uh, the hat will say the customer is King. I love it. Oh man, that's great. Well, so, so a couple more questions and, and we're almost done, but uh, client success, you know, it's, it's a, it's a phrase we're hearing a lot more about, especially in in this uh, you know experience economy zone we're in. How would you and Andrew define client success today as it relates to game sportswear and game workwear? I think client success is on our end is how satisfied was that customer when they when they finished doing business with us? Will they come back? Uh, will they keep coming? But will they refer us? Um, do they trust us more than anyone else? I think that's the benchmark. Excellent. Excellent answer. Well, I appreciate that. So so here is a little bit of DNA from, uh, you know, I'm kind of helping Rick out with these podcasts. And he's got a question he asked in every one of his first 22 podcasts. And that is this. Would you recommend this industry to any of your kids or your relatives? And if so, why? <laughs> that is a great question, Rick. <laughs> if he's listening, <laughs> uh, that is a great question. Honestly, I really would because I love it. I truly love it. I have a, a, a real passion for it. I love I love the, the challenges that it brings. I love the satisfaction of seeing an, a, a, an entire department outfitted with your jackets. Would I recommend it? Yes. Will my kids get into it? No, because they've seen, you know, and again, I keep referring to our listeners. Our listeners probably have this situation. They have kids that have seen the, you know, the trials and tribulations that you bring home 
as well and and all the headaches and all the sleepless nights and all of the challenges that you have to deal with off hours it's not a it's not a nine to five job uh, so I would recommend it if you have a passion for it if if that if if the uh, uh, 24 hour cycle is not for you. I would say no. Yeah. 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 There you go. Well, you know, it's so funny. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but uh, you know, I, I was in the computer business in the office automation realm before I got into the uh, you know, the apparel business in 1992. And once I got into it, man, it, it like, it grabbed me and it just, it, it like went into my bloodline. And I mean, to this day, I consider myself, you know, a, gar a gar garmentologist. You know, I love the whole art of the garment, you know, manufacturing, selling, merchandising, Absolutely. you know, I mean, right. Yeah. Is that so? I mean, is it in it, your blood? It does too? get into your blood. I mean, you, you'll be at a sports event and uh, standing behind somebody and, and trying to see whether it's your jacket or someone else's. So I find myself doing that all the time. It's in my, it's in our blood. I would say Andrea and I both have it in our blood. Uh, it's running through our veins. And I would recommend this business to anyone that has that passion to, to, uh, to, to help others. Uh, and, and the other thing I think is that we're, we're B2B. So we want to see our customers, businesses thrive. So seeing a successful customer, uh, is, is, you know, job security for us. Yeah, that that's awesome. Well, great, uh, great stuff. So is there any question I forgot to ask you? Is there any other, any other thing you'd like to highlight before we, uh, we close out today? No, uh, other than I really appreciate the time. Um, I think the NAUMD is a great organization, uh, for collaboration, um, the, the level of, of people that you can put in one room, uh, to collaborate and think of ideas is phenomenal. It's important in this day and age to have an organization that supports this industry and, uh, that can, you know, help point it in the right direction at all times. Other than that, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for the future uh, of it. Even though there are some unknowns, I'm excited to see where it, where it goes in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm on, I think, I think it's really uh, that this last, this last conference was really robust. I felt and really energetic. So uh, now this may be a hallmark question I ask every show too, Enzo, but if you could impart one piece of advice to young people that may be listening, somebody graduating college or graduating high school and just entering the business world, what would that one piece of advice be? That's a great question. I, I really think that it's important for young people uh, that are really trying to prove themselves, uh, themselves these days uh, to stay humble, to stay focused, uh, to be on time, to be, to be curious, constantly asking questions. Uh, and I think it's important for young people to uh, to really take their job seriously and to show a real passion for the industry that, that they're in, whatever industry it is. Um, if you can show your customers, your coworkers, your bosses that you have a passion for their for their business, for this business, um, I think you'll impress a lot of people, especially coming from that younger generation. 
Great answer. Well, listen, we thank you so much for your time today. And we wish you and Andrea and all the team over there all the best. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate the time as well. All right. Take care, thank sir. Thank you.